Support for this podcast comes from San Francisco International Airport. At SFO, you can discover award-winning flavors and unique shops all before takeoff. Learn more about what's at SFO at flysfo.com. Hey, it's Avery Truffleman, host of Articles of Interest. And I've got to say, I've been a fan of KQED ever since I was a little kid, and I would come out to San Francisco to visit my grandma. It was just What we'd always turn on every time we got in the car, every time we were making dinner and turning on the radio, was always KQED. And then over the years, I've become a massive fan of KQED podcasts because this is local reporting at its best. These are answers to questions you've always wanted to know, interviews with exciting, unusual voices, necessary journalism, all told with love and care and artistry. And did you know that a majority of KQED's funding actually comes from members? It's just people like you and me supporting the programs they love while also getting access to cool events, behind-the-scenes footage, and so much more. If you want to sign up and be a part of this amazing community, visit donate.kqed.org slash podcasts to become a member today. That's podcasts with an S. Thank you for listening, and thank you for your support. From KQED. Good morning. This is the California Report. I'm Saul Gonzalez reporting today from Fresno. We all know gas prices are high, especially here in California. Now Governor Gavin Newsom is proposing to spend $9 billion on tax refunds, partly to help Golden State motorists at the pump. KQED politics reporter Guy Marzarotti has more. With the average price of a gallon of gas nearing $6 in California, Newsom wants to use the state's windfall of tax revenue to send drivers a $400 debit card per car for up to two vehicles. The governor is also proposing grants to help local transit agencies provide three months of free rides. And he wants to pause the upcoming increase to the state's gas tax, which pays for road repairs and transit. Some of those ideas might get pushback from Democratic leaders in the state legislature they want an income limit on who gets a refund and oppose halting the gas tax hike. For the California Report, I'm Guy Marzarati. Meanwhile, Republicans in Sacramento continue to push for a temporary suspension of the state's 51 cent per gallon state gas tax. They plan to try to force a floor vote on suspension of the tax later today. Previous efforts to do so were blocked by the Democratic supermajority in the Assembly. Assembly Republican leader James Gallagher criticized the governor's proposal, particularly the fact that it wouldn't provide relief until July if it's approved by the legislature. The average price of a gallon of regular gasoline here in California is now at $5.88. The Cal State University system is officially dropping the SAT and ACT standardized tests from its admissions process. The Board of Trustees unanimously approved the change this week. CSU trustee Yamilet Rodriguez shared her personal story before the vote. Because of the enrollment barriers that I faced and lack of tools offered to me as a student, I wasn't equipped to have entry into the CSU. Many have argued the SAT and ACT tests put minority and low-income students at a disadvantage, arguing that the questions show bias towards more privileged students. The University of California system decided to drop the exams from its admissions process last year. In Sacramento, classes are canceled again today after thousands of teachers and staff at the Sacramento City Unified School District walked off the job in a strike over pay and staffing shortages. As we hear from CAP Radio's Nicole Nixon, they rallied on the first day of the strike yesterday. 
teachers, staff, and their allies gathered at the school district headquarters to call for higher wages to address what they describe as a staffing crisis. Ingrid Hutchins teaches second grade at Capital City School, which does the district's online independent study program and currently has a wait list of nearly 600 students. She says while other districts are giving out raises and signing bonuses, Sac City is struggling to retain teachers. I mean, it's simple economics. The district knows this, um, but they're not, they're just not stepping up to the plate to do what they need to do to save our district. Hutchins says it's unfair that District Superintendent Jorge Aguilar took a $34,000 raise in 2020, but teachers haven't had a cost of living adjustment since 2018 due to budget deficits. Aguilar has argued Sac City teachers have among the most competitive pay and benefits in the region. For the California Report, I'm Nicole Nixon in Sacramento. Hi, it's Terry Gross, the host of Fresh Air. We bring you in-depth, long-form interviews with actors, directors, musicians, authors, journalists, and more. Listen to our Peabody Award-winning Fresh Air podcast from WHYY and NPR. Hi there, I'm Randa Abdel-Fattah from Throughline. If you're listening to this podcast, you know that KQED produces exceptional storytelling that keeps you informed, inspired, and entertained. Their podcasts cover issues from your neighborhood to the entire country and everything in between. Support this work today. You can help us continue to bring quality podcasts to your ears. Just head to donate.kqed.org podcast. That's donate.kqed.org podcast. Let's turn to California agriculture. I'm in the Central Valley this week, and farmers here face a growing number of challenges. International tensions and dueling trade embargoes between the U.S. and Russia have sent fertilizer and farm fuel costs soaring. Central Valley growers are still finding it difficult to export their crops because of global supply chain problems. And then there's California's drought, which has forced state and federal authorities to slash water allotments to the ag industry. To better understand what farmers are facing, I I met up yesterday with Ryan Jacobson, CEO of the Fresno County Farm Bureau. I started by asking Jacobson about the drought. It is extraordinarily the most serious issue we're facing. Uh, we are now in the third year of this drought, and right now I can't tell you if this is year three of this drought or is it year three of a you know, tenure drought. But right now, because of the circumstances we're in as far as drought, our farmers are facing very dire consequences and decisions on what they're going to do, not just for this year, but now looking more longer term as well uh, because of where we find ourselves. So what are some of the hard choices a lot of the farmers and ag interests you represent are looking at now? So these farmers now have back-to-back -back, uh, 0% allocation years from the uh, federal water allocations. And so what this means is that they're not getting any surface water supply. They're, they've been cut back all the way. Uh, they're still paying for this water, but it's been cut back to zero. And so those farmers, the first decision they got to make is where can they cut? And they're going to cut their crops that are the annual crops, the garlic, the onions, the processing tomatoes. These are the crops that go first because they're going to try to preserve whatever water they do have available, either through groundwater or other trades. They're going to save for their permanent crops because those are multi-year investments. And what you're talking about is just letting a lot of land go fallow. Yeah, here in Fresno County this year, the expectation is between two to 250,000 acres going fallow. Now, this is uh, historically, this would be a temporary uh, deal where we would see it, you know, hopefully come back during the times in which it would get wetter. But that's not necessarily the case now. We're realistically looking at 
some of these lands are going to be as close to permanently re, uh, retired as um, possible just because the fact that it's unlikely that we're going to see better water allocations going forward than what we've seen uh, in comparison to a historical perspective. Let's talk about another issue. I know that um, agriculture was really hit hard by the supply chain problems late last year, the beginning of this year. Uh, you weren't able to get a lot of your exports out, particularly through ports in the Bay Area. Is that still the case? Uh, are you still living with that? We are absolutely still living with that. There was a shortage of containers last year, just trying to get product out. Now we're having the ships you know, turn around and go back to those other countries to get more goods to bring to America, and they don't care about. Uh, it's more beneficial for them to bring the goods into America versus out of America. So they're just turning around and going back in empty and not taking our goods because it's they don't want to cost themselves the time over here. Um, there's just a whole host of issues that are going on that are making the uh, ag industry very complex this year. I think right now folks are just doing the best they can to plan for this 2022 season. And uh, I think like a lot of Americans, hoping 2023 turns out to be a better year than we've uh, seen so far from 2022. Ryan Jacobson, CEO of the Fresno County Farm Bureau. Thank you so much for joining us on the California Report. Thank you for having me. Hundreds of Eastern European migrants are arriving in Tijuana, fleeing Russia's invasion of Ukraine and increasingly repressive governments in Russia itself and its ally Belarus. The migrants coming to Tijuana dream of crossing the border and getting asylum in the U.S. But pandemic-related border restrictions are still in place, although they aren't affecting all migrants the same way. Reporter Max Rivlin-Nadler has more. It's well after midnight on the Mexican side of the San Ysidro port of entry on a recent Saturday night. A group of migrants are huddled under blankets near the border crossing. They're from Russia and Belarus, they tell me, and they've come here to ask for asylum. But the door to the U.S.? It's still closed to them. That's because of Title 42, a public health code that blocks the entry of migrants without a visa. The Trump-era policy, imposed at the start of the pandemic, is now two years old. And while COVID restrictions have been lifted in much of the U.S., Title 42 is still in place. Eastern Europeans, like Central Americans, Haitians, and other asylum seekers at the southwest border, are now increasingly desperate to cross and trying dangerous methods. Legal uh, ways that would normally be afforded to individuals that were seeking protection are, are not available. Essentially, the southern border, both borders, northern and southern, are shut off to asylum seekers. That's Kate Clark, an attorney with Jewish Family Service of San Diego, which provides assistance to asylum seekers. Since January, more than 1,000 Russians and over 450 Ukrainians have crossed the San Diego-Tijuana border, according to her organization. Many times they will try to seek asylum at the port and they're denied, and so they're forced to grapple with a decision of crossing between ports, whether it be through the high desert or through another way that is, is, quite frankly, risks their life. For Ukrainians and other Eastern Europeans, the challenge is just to get onto U.S. soil, because Mexico won't accept them if they're sent back under Title 42. So one strategy is to buy or rent a car in Tijuana and drive past an initial checkpoint. In September, one Ukrainian asylum seeker rammed his car into the car in front of him to make sure he was in the U.S. That's Marina, another Ukrainian who I met in San Diego. She's telling me that she thought it was a miracle she didn't get stopped by border officials. 
Marina left Vishneva, a small city near Kyiv, in early March, as Russian bombs began to fall. We're just using her first name because of safety concerns for her parents and husband, who are still in Ukraine. She and her two young daughters made it to Germany, then flew to Mexico City. After a final flight to Tijuana, a family friend came over from San Diego and drove them through the port of entry. At the initial checkpoint, she tells me, officers saw that a U.S. citizen was behind the wheel and let them through. Then at the passport control booth, she told CBP officers they were seeking asylum. Marina tells me she can't sleep at night because she's worried about her family in Ukraine. In San Diego, she says, everything is pretty, but she can't relax. But now, many Ukrainian asylum seekers won't have to resort to the tactics used by Marina and others. Last week, the Department of Homeland Security made the extraordinary announcement that Ukrainians could be exempted from Title 42, meaning the normal asylum process is now restored for them. That preferential treatment has left migrants from other countries baffled. One woman turned back under Title 42 is 21-year-old Jackie from Michoacan, Mexico. She came to Tijuana a year ago, fleeing cartel violence, and lives in a crowded shelter with no timetable on when she can enter the United States. We're only using her first name because she fears for her safety. She told me last fall that when she tried to cross the border, Border Patrol agents were insulting and dismissive. They were very racist to me, Jackie told me. They treated my family like insects. Erica Pinheiro is with the group El Otro Lado, which assists asylum seekers in Tijuana. She's seen Eastern Europeans treated much better than others. What I have personally observed is that CBP tends to be more polite or tell them to wait. But when we see Central American or Black migrants approaching the port of entry, they are told to leave. They're screamed at. Earlier this month, several senators, including California's Alex Padilla, called on the Biden administration to end Title 42. The policy comes up for review in early April. For The California Report, I'm Max Rivlin-Adler in Tijuana. As many as half of the people serving life in prison without the possibility of parole in California were convicted under a law critics say perpetuates gender and racial disparities. That's according to a national report out this week by advocacy organizations calling for an end to the practice. KQED's Alex Emsley has more. The felony murder rule allows prosecutors to charge accomplices with murder, even if they didn't directly commit the killing or intend to kill anyone. The report applauds recent changes in California law that narrowed who can be convicted. In terms of those reforms, California is a model for the country. Lead author Nazgul Ganoush is a senior researcher with the D.C.-based Sentencing Project. But in terms of continuing to have a mandatory life without parole sentence that applies to certain felony murder convictions, California is among the worst in the country. The vast majority of women serving life for felony murder in California were the victims of domestic violence, according to the report. And it found prosecutors are more likely to seek these life sentences for people of color. For The California Report, I'm Alex Hemsley. And that is The California Report for Thursday, March 24th. We are a production of KQED Public Radio. I'm Saul Gonzalez. Thanks so much for listening and have a great day. 
Support for the California Report comes from the California Healthcare Foundation, working to build a more effective, compassionate, and just healthcare system. On the web at chcf.org slash health dash equity. Hint. Fruit-infused water in over 25 flavors like watermelon, pineapple, and blackberry. No sweeteners, no calories. In stores or delivered from drinkhint.com. And Eric and Wendy Schmidt, whose philanthropy harnesses the power of people and science to create innovative solutions for a healthy environment, just societies, and opportunities for human achievement. Do you love learning about the San Francisco Bay Area? Its history, its people, its unique blend of cultures? Then you should check out The Bay Curious Book. I'm Katrina Schwartz, editor and producer on The Bay Curious Podcast, and I'm here to let you know that for the month of May, we've worked out a sweet deal for KQED podcast listeners. Right now, you can get The Bay Curious ebook for $1.99. That's right, $1.99. Just search for Bay Curious wherever you get your ebooks or find a link in our show notes. This offer does expire at the end of the month, though, so you'll want to act on it fast. Happy reading! Hey there, this is Brittany Luce from NPR's It's Been a Minute. KQED's podcasts like The Bay, Bay Curious, Mind Shift, Right Nowish, and more all tell the stories of the Bay and beyond with reliable, human-centered journalism. They aim to inspire, make you think, entertain, and expand your understanding of the place you call home. Here's how you can support podcasting at KQED. Showing your support is easy, and you can join Brittany in supporting KQED Podcast too at donate.kqed.org slash podcast. That's donate.kqed.org slash podcast. Hi, I'm Sasha Coca, host of the California Report magazine. Every week, we bring you stories about what connects us in the giant, diverse, golden state. Because what happens in California changes the world. I love this place. We were once seen as, like, the place to be California. The land of milk and honey, that's where you go to Sunshine State. But we just have challenges right now. KQED's California Report magazine. New episodes drop every Friday, wherever you get your podcasts.